the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The interesting reason that Andy Stanley chose to not stream his sermon yesterday. And then what role does parenting play in curbing violence? You are listening to The Common Good. Happy Monday, friends. Welcome to The Common Good here on AM 1160. Hope for your life. My name is Brian from rejoined by Aubrey Sampson after her week away. So nice to see you. How are you doing today? Thank you. I'm good. I'm tired, but I am good to I am glad to be back and can't wait to catch up. We'll talk about my trip later on in today's show, but had a great time and, you know, jumping right back into the swing of things. I got a sick kid home. (laughs) This is how life is, isn't it? This is how it works. The sick kid is called karma. That is what that is. You mean, (laughs) mom? I am coming back at you. And so <laughs> that's that's uh, funny. We're grateful for Steve Coble, who spent the week in Aubrey's place last week, but good to have Aubrey back. And as she said, uh, she had quite the trip. So she's going to share that later on in the show. That's what we call a tease. So stay with that's us right. as that's right. she will do that a little bit later on. Uh, Aubrey, I want to catch you up on the major thing that was in Christian Twitter. But before that, you're in the Dominican Republic. You didn't know was. what was going on in the world. Nope. Have you heard about Taylor Swift? I'm just kidding. I know we did this before, but did you watch the, uh, any of the football game last night? I actually did because we. I almost sent you more video. My mom was in town because she was helping watch our boys, and nice. my mom is an avid football player. I've sent Brian videos of my mom before because she just screams at the she TV. Is. It's very entertaining. And so, yes, we watched some of that Kansas City Chiefs game. We, of course, watched the disappointing Bears game as well. But I so mean, Taylor Swift, I didn't know that she's dating a, a chief, huh? That's the deal? Uh, like one of their best players. But okay. it is becoming too – you know I'm I'm, You're uh, I'm the parent of a Swifty. So I'm like yeah. Swifty adjacent, right? Yes, and so yes. uh, it's becoming way too much right now. Like, oh, why? Why? Had, Aubrey, you would think uh, – you would think that, that – people have never like she's transcending the football games right now it's like it's like and i get it networks are trying to get new people in and like she crosses all barriers and crosses everything but like there were and FanDuel, you could have bet the over under on uh taylor swift um shots of taylor swift last night in the box yeah it was 10 and a half there was was so many shots of her but the second thing i noticed and this was weird to me ads so many taylor swift ads for like her special live in concert for a new album for a taylor swift i don't know perfume i might be making that one up but some product like i was like why are there so many taylor swift ads and then i began to notice oh she's at the games so you're right i guess they're trying to cross promote with her fan base this would be why the cynical people think that this is a staged relationship ah in which okay yeah uh, uh, in which she is getting all of her promotion and Travis Kelsey, his uh, his promote. He's got the number one sports podcast with his brother. Now mm. he picked up over th- like 
300,000 Instagram followers. Are you all serious? Wow. Yeah. So uh, it is a lot. So it, it is a lot. Bears, like wow. you said, that was crazy yesterday. My Giants play tonight. So I will be sad tomorrow, more than likely uh, mm. that will happen as well. But here was uh, a, an extension of the big Christian story from before you left. You remember we talked about Andy Stanley hosting uh, a conference. It's, it's oh, yeah. Yes. The Unconditional Conference, which has yes. already happened now. And the Unconditional okay. Conference happened on Thursday and Friday at his church. They were hosting it. Uh, and the point of the conference uh, was to uh, it's to talk about um, it was led by Greg and Lynn McDonald, who are founders of Embracing the Journey, a ministry birth from their experience with having a gay child. And basically okay. they coined it this way. It's a two day premiere event for parents of LGBTQ plus children and for ministry leaders looking to discover ways to support parents and LGBTQ plus children in their churches. Okay, and so gotcha. uh, Andy Stanley was one of the speakers. And so it kind of fits his thing. Well, you were you see, you've done a lot since we were last together, but you remember the Albert, <laughs> the Albert Moeller response. Oh yes. Who basically said he's not a Christian or, some, or well, something. He just shouldn't do it. And he got a ton. Uh, Andy Stanley got a ton of blowback. Sure. Are you ready for what he did this weekend? <gasps> Very ready. Andy Stanley uh, sent an email to his church. Okay. Said, Hey, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of rumors, a lot of this mm. going on, a lot of that. Uh, so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to address this on Sunday morning during the service, and we are not going to stream <gasps> our service. No way. We are. Go you got to be there. This is like family meeting. Wow. Uh, and then I cool. read a follow up where I think they're going to release it later in the week. So I believe they still recorded it. Okay. Uh, so now it's like the Zapruder, the Zapruder film, right? Like people are like, I was there. Here's what he said. No, I was there. Here's what he said. Uh, apparently, Kate Shellnut somehow was able to write an article about it. Ed Stetzer. So oh, wow. there's a lot of like what happened. And now people like the audio is leaked. Of course, it's leaked. People of sat in there recording leaked. it on their phones. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. it's leaked. And here's what happened. Andy Stanley. Uh, there's a lot that we can say about what he said. But more or less, Andy Stanley affirmed traditional view of, mar of marriage and talked okay. about his upbringing and yep. just what they believe. But even in doing that made some people uncomfortable with, you know, kind of um, not just his kind of welcoming tone, because I don't think people have necessarily a problem with the welcoming tone. But Andy Stanley, start, he's, he tries very hard not to call things sin, yeah. not to say that we should stand up and tell people what they're doing yeah. wrong. Yeah. Uh, and so but he in it did affirm that the fascinating thing, there's two fascinating things to me for this. First of all that they chose not to live stream this. Like, yes. They're probably live streamed, what would you guess, hundreds of thousands of people oh, on a weekend? Oh, and around the globe, people. So why do you like, think they decided this? What What do you think goes yeah. behind the, we're going to, because I get why he said, we're going to take, we're going to tackle this. Yeah. But then he said, we're going to tackle it and you got to be there if you're going to hear it. Yeah. My guess is um, there's a number of reasons. One, I'm, I'm going to say, partly is like that's that needs to happen in person like kind of how mm -hmm. you called it like an in-person like a family gathering i think that's probably a piece of it i think too because of all the immediate attention andy stanley and his you know council whoever his board is is saying 
look, anything you say is going to be used against you one way or the other yeah. and or or used as like a kind of manipulative tool to say, oh, Andy Stanley's here now. So can we like either way? I think it would be like my guess is their team is saying it's going to be commodified and used and misunderstood and things will be taken out of context and this won't be helpful yeah. for the church. This won't be helpful for the people we're trying to minister to. So let's just not do it like and and a little bit probably like, look, if you're not a part of our church at this point, you're invited to come. But this is not about you. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I I think there's a lot of wisdom. And I mean, we've talked about this before. In general, I think the idea of churches not streaming their services is something, especially the big mega churches, is something worth thinking about the pros and yeah. cons. I don't know where I land totally on that because I like watching stream services and I like being able to offer that as a church. But for this kind of sensitive thing, I could see why you're like the popularity and the lightning rod that he's become for some people. It's just not worth it. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. The second thing that this stands out makes very clear is we've, we've known this for the last decade, but increasingly Aubrey, I think that, uh, issues of sexuality, LGBTQ, uh, gender identity, all of this stuff is the dividing line. Mm. Whether we believe it should be or not yeah. is going to increasingly be the dividing line between what is for some, for many people, a quote unquote orthodox, conservative, evangelical yeah. church yeah. and what's not. Yeah. And I think that's why it frustrates people that Andy Stanley is like, he's somewhat ambiguous, but that's kind of his style. Mm-hmm. But I, again, I'm not saying it should be the dividing line, but I think it is, and it's yes. only going to increasingly be that. Yeah, I feel like this is a conversation we could talk about, you know, maybe we'll have to keep talking about, because I think you're right. I think it is, I don't think it should be a dividing line, but I think it increasingly mm -hmm. is going to be, period. And um, it makes sense to me that that's part of why they just decided we're going to keep it private at this point. Yeah. private private for the thousands of people that go to their church you know what <laughs> yes, i mean yes. uh, we're, we're gonna keep it in-house that's the right way to that's it the right is way to true though it. because on some ways i actually agree with them not streaming it but yeah. in some ways by not streaming it it is like thrown meat into the ocean for sharks right now of people trying but, to figure out what he said. But it's don't you crazy think that would have happened? Like the same thing would have happened. People would have been taking quotes out and like sure. yeah. either way it was shark either way it was shark infested waters, right? I think as a show we should go chat GPT, what did Andy Stanley say? <laughs> they can create it. And then we can put it out there. We were there. I and love here's this. what he said. So I love this idea. Yes. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see how this continues to play <laughs> out. Coming up next, uh, Ari, my favorite podcast. I was listening to it the other day, of course, doing some yard work. And they brought up one of the most interesting points to me that I want to share with you and discuss. Next year on The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. You're just back from the Dominican Republic. Yeah, share I about, am. Share about that later Time change? What's time change? Yeah, but it not bad. Like I honestly the whole time I didn't really pay attention to the time the whole time I was there, but I think it's only an hour or two hours ahead. So it really wasn't okay. shocking. Yeah. Not bad at all. Okay. Cause I was wondering, are you like are you groggy and tired? Well, the but only I mean, we'll talk more in detail, but our, so we had to leave our house at two AM like the night before our trip. So we were awake, like went to bed around 10 to try to get to sleep, woke up about one, one thirty. cab got us at two. And then it was literally nonstop from that point on, like 
like, and when I, again, I'll share more later, but when I say non-stuff, it was like orphanages, uh, uh, safe havens for kids. Like it was, so I definitely feel like I'm getting caught up on sleep that I miss now that I'm home. And we slept in like bunk beds and things that, you know, Hey, it's a developing world. You're not going to complain about sleeping on bunk beds, but I didn't get the best sleep and I didn't start off really rested. So I'll just say that. (laughs) Oh, wonderful. Uh, But it's good to have you back. Okay. I, the other day was out doing yard work um, as I tend to do. And I was listening to what is, what is, comes out once a, once a week, and it is probably when there's new episodes, there isn't a podcast I get more excited about than Malcolm Gladwell's Revisionist History. Oh, yeah. You're a big Malcolm fan. That's cool. I like Huge that. Huge fan. So Malcolm Gladwell, the other day, he's in the middle of a series on, I would encourage everybody to listen to it because uh, he is on a, uh, doing a series on guns. Oh. And if you're a big gun control person or you're a big, like, Second Amendment the get your hands off my guns. He will have episodes that will make both of you mad and both of you happy. Wow. Oh, wow. Okay. If if you know Gladwell, you might be like, Oh, this is just going to be some liberal gun control. No, he starts yelling at a gun (gasps) activist during one of the episodes. No way. And then in another episode talks about the lunacy that we do about the second amendment and how we've gotten to where we are and what it, Wow. He'll make people, if you're a negative person, you'll go, he'll make people mad on both sides. If you're yeah. a positive person, you're like, oh, there's something happy for everybody in this. <laughs> so in the fourth episode that I just listened to, he was talking to ER doctors and it was okay. kind of a hard one, but the premise of it was fascinating. It was, would Robert F. Kennedy Jr. have survived today? Not John F. Kennedy Jr. because they they said early in the thing his wounds would have killed him no matter the medical okay. advancements. Okay, okay. So I would encourage people to listen to it. Here's the premise: is because of the amazing, amazing stuff that has happened in the medical world. Yeah, we save more people than we used to from gunshot wounds. And that's a great thing. But one thing that it's done is make our murder rate look smaller. Oh, fascinating. So when you hear people like the murder rate is down, Gladwell's point is it's down (gasps) because our doctors are so much better and technology has moved so much further. That the actual way, yeah, the actual way we should be talking about it is just gun incidents or Okay. There's literally one lady okay. who's advocating for we need to keep statistics for literally every time a skin, the skin is punctured by a bullet, that kind of thing. No way. That and is so Gladwell, it's fascinating. So Gladwell spends the episode talking to ER doctors who deal with gunshot victims all the time. That's their life, right? That's what they do. Okay. So here's what, what I'm actually going to want to discuss has little to do about guns, but Gladwell asked them. What's the number one thing? If you could change anything, what would you change that you think would make the biggest difference? And when he asked that question, I think as I'm listening to it, I think these guys are going to give something about a gun control law. Yeah. Or something in the medical world. Yeah. Or something in the whatever. He had two guys there and one guy answered and the other guy agreed. You ready for what they answered? Yeah, ready. The guy said, if I could change anything it would be that every child comes from a two-parent family. No way. That is how this Whoa. ER doctor Whoa. answered 
the question. Whoa. He so he said, went like, wait, he went like systemic. Here's the problems. He said the number, in his opinion, the number one thing beyond gun control laws, beyond, um, you know, those are important, yep. beyond medical advancement going forward, because they've said that this is kind of scary. They've said that they think we're at like 95% right now of our ability to treat gunshot wounds. There might be a little bit wow. more that we can do, wow. but we're basically maxed out in these Figured guys' out opinions. how to solve that. Okay. Not, but like that means the medical care is not going to get better going yeah. forward yeah. for gunshot yeah. victims. So therefore, we've kind of hit a plateau here. Gotcha. Okay. They put it on parenting, Aubrey. And I was like, oh my gosh. That like, is that fascinating. Is, this wasn't a preacher or a social mm -mm. scientist. This was doctors. And it made me go, man, the church needs to like, like, I think we take for granted the importance of parenting. And I think we also take for granted that there's a lot of single parents out there mm. and a lot of like, you know, places where dads have never been involved. Mm. Uh, and uh, so I they, would say that's so an enormous problem. So they're, I mean, I, this may seem obvious, but I just want to draw the line. They're making a very clear line from single parent households to gun violence. Yes. And more so absent fathers. More uh, so absent so fathers. More so being absent fathers. But yes, they are saying, mm. basically they're saying in the cities, especially where they are, the statistics for kids that come from two parent families and they're not even saying necessarily good to parent families, yeah, right? Yeah, like, yeah. The statistics, or to put it another way, the statistics of people who uh, are 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 perpetrating gun violence uh, is astronomically higher for uh, kids coming from single parent parent homes. Wow. And then we used a lot of examples, right? In uh, especially where they're working, these guys are in hospitals in more poverty areas. Yeah, the single parent basically becomes a no parent home because wow. that single parent has to work two jobs. Sure, sure. Um, or you don't have the role model of a father, and so these guys are ending up in gangs or whatever else it might be. Uh, wow. Gosh, I think like we've talked about this for so many wow. decades that you forget about it. It made wow. me go, wow. We as churches and just as a society need to get back on message about the importance of parenting and strong marriages and all of this stuff. You know, this is fascinating to me because I I feel like um, sometimes I've heard like on like uh, I'm, I'm not I totally agree with you. So I'm not trying to be devil's advocate. I just want to say something I've heard and then unpack it with with the yeah. Malcolm Gladwell podcast is that this narrative like, Oh, um, young black men don't have fathers that I've heard some people say that that's a racist narrative and that it, it it's not, it's, you know, almost like it's not true. Do you know what I'm saying? Like it's a myth of urban life. And yet this would seem to say, no, actually this is a problem. And they're saying even systemically it's leading to, Leading more to. problems within society. So let's just not avoid talking about it in the name of whatever. Let's actually say what's true. And yep. then, and then, uh, you know, call up, 
I, you know, I always get a little uncomfortable because I'm like, moms are amazing. Like, single mothers are amazing. But I think the call is like for the absentee dad to call him up or Correct. for them or to encourage and empower the mom who's doing it on her own. How can we support you so your child feels supported? Yeah. That kind of thing. Yeah, this has less to do for me for how awesome is the single mom, but what is the effect of the absent dad? Yeah, there you go. Uh, and in there some you cases, go. it's an absent mom, but let's just be honest. Usually, you're Right. It's the absent dad. Yeah. And yeah. then it becomes an opportunity for the church, you know, in a small way within their own congregations to go, how do we step in where there's an absent parent? Mm. How do we um, how do we step in? Nobody can replace a good parent in a yep. kid's life. Yeah. But how can we step in? So I was fascinated. I would encourage all of you to go listen to Gladwell's Revisionist History. It's just an awesome podcast. Wow. After you listen to our podcast and subscribe, rate, and review. <laughs> nice. Uh, well done, Brian. Well done. <laughs> uh, just go ahead and do that. Coming up next, uh, Jonathan Merritt went to Twitter, Aubrey, and I've got to read to you what he wrote about him and his dad. We're going to do that next year on The Common Good, oh. AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. So, Aubrey, I want to talk about uh, a really complex public relationship in the church world mm. um, because it encompasses fathers and sons. It encompasses Southern Baptist conservative leading preacher. And his and his uh, progressive gay son. Oh, yes. Uh, all of it. And that is Dr. James Merritt and his son, Jonathan Merritt. We've referenced them before. Yes. Jonathan Merritt recently, what, within the last couple of years, came out as gay. Mm -hmm. uh, but he's always been very progressive. Yeah. Um, and Dr. James Merritt, I believe at one point was the president of the Southern Baptist Convention. I think that's he, right. He is very, very prominent and active yeah. in the Southern Baptist Convention. Uh, and if there's a lot of things you can say about the Southern Baptist Convention, progressive in their theology and their politics is not one of them. <laughs> and so it has made James Merritt and his son Jonathan Merritt to be a very interesting, I don't know, this is probably a cheap way to put it, but a test case. Mm, like, a, yeah, yeah. What does it look like for a Southern Baptist, prominent Southern Baptist, conservative, big church pastor from the South, Georgia, I believe, to have a, um, an, his son's an author. He's pro very progressive. New York he City. He leads a church. He leads an open and affirming oh, church does he in lead New York it? City. Okay. Mm -hmm. I think he's so. Or he he's one of the leaders of it because he's. I often see him serving communion or preaching yep. there, what have you. So in a very progressive mainline church in New York City. So yeah. you've got like if it wasn't a serious topic, you've got the you've got the makings of a good sitcom here, right? Yeah, <laughs> you've got the makings. Yeah, that's right. So they're very open, but I'm not sure they've ever been as open. I don't know where they were recently speaking together. It very well could have been at Andy Stanley's conference or not. Oh, sorry. I never thought about that. Sorry, it's not Andy Stanley's conference. Andy right. Stanley hosted the conference, but yeah. it was about unconditional love, uh, that kind of stuff. I do feel uh, like I, I don't know. I'm about to make up that I thought I saw them on the on the lineup, but that may not be true. Anyway, go they ahead. Might go be ahead. At the end of this tweet thread, it's going to take a minute for me to read this. So stay with me. But they're on a stage together. So, yeah, yeah, it's either very coincidental 
or they were at that conference, right? Yeah, because yeah. it's a father and a son dealing with this. So yeah. let me read this to you. This is about seven or eight tweets from uh, Jonathan Merritt. He said this. People often ask me how in the world I maintain a close relationship with my dad. I'm a progressive gay man. And as many of you know, he is a Southern Baptist preacher who describes himself as, quote, to the right of Ronald Reagan. These days, (laughs) these days, you could score a lot of likes on social media by posting about the people you bravely severed from your life. Problematic parents, snarky siblings, catty childhood friends. And then he writes in parentheses parentheses in severe cases this may be necessary but in this age of going no contact my dad and i have chosen another harder path Mm. we've chosen to stay and stick it out and learn to love across difference wow yes we still establish healthy boundaries but we're more focused on how we can build bridges to each other than barriers from each other Mm. the truth is this hasn't been easy It's been one of the toughest things, and I can't emphasize this enough, that I've done in my four decades of living. We disagree on a lot politically and theologically, a lot. We Mm. often joke that some of our disagreements could peel paint off the walls. (laughs) Working to stay in relationship has taught us so many wonderful truths. Mm. We have learned that it's impossible to love someone when you're constantly trying to change who they are and and that this works both ways. We have learned that the people who will cry at your funeral matter and the critics on your social media account do not. Mm. We have learned that while we may sometimes fight with each other in private, we can still fight for each other in public. Wow. And most of all, we have learned that loving across difference is messy and difficult, but in this case, it's worth it. Last week, I was able to sit on a stage with my dad for the first time since being publicly outed in 2012. Mm. And we shared these lessons with hundreds of pastors. Wow! If more people were were willing to learn the spiritual practice of loving across difference, I think our coarse edged world might become a gentler, kinder, more hospitable place for all of us. Wow. 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 Isn't that pretty fascinating? What stands out to you about that? I, here's what stands out to me, even before you read that to me. Um, I think this is sort of, uh, this is the thing that every, the majority of Christian conservative parents are about to have to grapple with. Meaning we, you know, we've looked at the statistics. We know just because our culture is more accepting that the number of kids who come out or the number of kids who, for whatever reason, I'm not trying to debate Understood. the reasons Understood. around that, but let's just, let's just own it. The number statistics of kids, are statistics. Here. Yeah. Yes. The number of kids yeah. coming out of the closet or questioning their gender or dealing, you know, dealing with like questions of sexuality, gender, et cetera is going to increase, period. It just is, it is. So I feel like this is sort of the, this is a picture of what parenting is now and is yes. about to be. I, yes. I think that's what I'm saying. So for Christian parents who now have kids, a new generation that's even saying, hey, I'm still a follower of Jesus, but I think differently about sexuality than you, or I want to be a follower of Jesus, but I'm, I feel like I'm queer. Like, all of those new dynamics, I think, are just going to be more and more and more prevalent. And so to me, what stands out is 
this could be a model like, Hey, Jonathan Merritt's dad is saying, I'm not going to bend theologically. Like I still am here. Cause what you do see is some Christian parents who are conservative. Then their kids come out of the closet and then they change their theology. I could see why that's easy to do. I really could. He's saying, look, I'm going to, we disagree on this, but I am not going to not love you. I'm not going to not be your dad. Like the fact that father and son is what's first to me is the most beautiful thing about this. Because at the end of the day, I think that's the example of Jesus right there. Jesus would never say to Jonathan Merritt, you're not welcome at the table. Jesus would never say to a conservative Christian dad, you're not welcome at the table. Like Jesus would say, look, we're all here. And your identity as brothers and sisters in Christ, fathers and sons is Christ. And in real life is the most important thing. Like yeah. to me, this says love is running the, the show. Yeah. Does I, that make sense? Good. I know people not, would disagree, it, but. Yeah. We're going to ruffle some feathers, but not only does that make sense, but it's, I think it's right. Yeah. Because uh, what I think you highlighted is important. Neither Jonathan Merritt nor his dad, Dr. James Merritt, have said, uh, in order for the relationship to function, we're going to change what we believe. Right. Uh, because like you put me, you made the important point that James Merritt didn't do it. Neither has Jonathan. Yeah. Jonathan hasn't been like, yeah. well, to make my parents happy, I have to. And so I think that's where this discussion gets lost sometimes. People go, well, I've got to stand up for what I believe. James Merritt would agree with you. Mm. And it sounds like they argue a lot about this. Yeah. But, but uh, above everything, they're dad and son. Yeah. And the dad, especially, yeah. I think, has the burden here to go, you'll always be my son. Mm. And I will never turn away from you, mm. even if I categorically disagree with something as fundamental as your lifestyle and your theological beliefs. Right. Uh, I will tell you why I think you're wrong. We'll continue to try to hash this out. I'm going to keep praying for you. But above all, I'm going to love you and not like this fake love. Like, right. I'm going to come spend time with right. you. We're going to go hit Jonathan Merritt and his dad constantly post from football games together or uh, from holiday. They, they're not yeah. faking it. It's not right. like, hey, dad, this would be a cool PR thing where we could sell out some churches and like, yeah. we'll speak. no, they literally speak like this and hang out. And I think there's way too many really conservative people and really progressive people who are willing to give up the most important relationships yes, yes. because of these debates. Yes, I agree. And and we see this both relationally, but even in the church, like you disagree on something and therefore you're like outside of fellowship with that person. Well, I, I think this shows another way. And I, I'm with you, Brian. I think this is right uh, yep. And the right model for for those of us who are who don't agree on some of these hard conversations, how do we keep loving the people that uh, that we love? Right, That's our right. kids, our parents. Kid. Yeah, don't ever yeah. turn your back on your kid for mm. sure. For sure. Mm. Coming up next, Aubrey John Piper blew up the uh, Christian internet the other day Uh-oh. because he took he had a take on something really, really that people love and is controversial. You ready for what it is? Is it Game of Thrones again? It's coffee. Oh, coffee. All right, here we go. John Piper had a tweet about coffee, (laughs) and we're going to talk about it next year on The Common Good. AM 1160, hope for your life. All right, Aubrey, let's remind people we're going to make enemies here or we will make allies. (laughs) Uh, One of the most controversial things that I can say uh, that makes people mad at me is that I don't like coffee. Yes. Don't like it. 
you and we i know we've said this before but i kind of always forget to put two and two together my husband kevin also doesn't like coffee and doesn't drink coffee imagine being a coffee drinker married to someone who doesn't drink coffee well, you could speak to my wife because she, she is knows. married to one such person. Yeah. Now wow. I make up for it, my caffeine intake with my iced teas, but yes. I just don't like the taste of coffee. But here's what you learn. That that's an outlier. Most of the adult world out there has a liking, if not a soft addiction to coffee. Is that a fair <laughs> statement to make? Absolutely. That's fair. Absolutely. That's fair. I would call it a very acceptable ad- addiction for most Americans and honestly, lots of people in other countries as well. That's right. That's right. So John Piper, Desiring God, Bethlehem College, uh, Bethlehem Church that he used to be the pastor of, countless books. He also likes to tweet. And every now and then he tweets things, Aubrey, that blows up the Christian the internet. internet. Oh, no. So when the did first he tweet? time that happened, right? We all remember the first time that happened after Rob Bell released Love Wins. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> and John Piper famously tweeted maybe the most single most famous evangelical tweet ever. <laughs> Farewell, He's- Rob Bell. Farewell, Rob Bell is yep. just a an iconic Christian tweet yeah, that is. was written by uh, what, 70, 75 year old John Piper. Yes. So. All right, Aubrey, I'm just going to read to you what John Piper wrote on. This was on Saturday at okay. five o'clock in the evening. So as people are thinking about church, he writes this. Can we reassess whether Sunday coffee sipping in the sanctuary fits? And then he quotes Hebrews 12, 28. Let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. John Piper has decided Come on. The, the worship and awe hill to die on on it's a Sunday coffee. morning worship is not just coffee, but it bothers him that people come in and they're <laughs> sipping coffee when they're to be worshiping. When he, I think he's getting at it. <laughs> He's getting at a casualness of worship, which we yeah. will get back to. Yeah. But what about what about just, can I tell you what Ed Stetzer uh yes. retweeted? Yeah, I'm dying to know. Farewell, John Piper. No, he, <laughs> he did not. He, he did. did not. He did not. He did, which caused some people who don't know sarcasm and jokes to go nuts on Ed Stetzer. Be I, like, lo- I love serious. I love snarky Ed Stetzer on uh, Twitter. It's the other best people Ed gave gave the greatest response of like uh John, uh there's a book of the Bible called Hebrews. That settles it. <laughs> uh, stuff like that. That's uh, good. That's funny. So, uh, I, before we dive into what's not really a, but a little bit more serious about yeah. this topic, yeah. what do you just think about John Piper's coffee take? I, I think it's ridiculous. I think it's the most ridiculous thing. I think I've he ever was heard. bored. I think he was just bored. Yeah, I think it's bored. I think it's legalism. I think it's judgmental. I think it's dumb. I think if you're going to call out awe and reverence, that's a heart posture. Like, let's talk about the heart. Cause, cause then, I mean, sure, there are some, there are some people again who like you wear your Sunday best. You shouldn't dress right. casually on Sunday. You like those are all like forms of this type of, I guess, the category of coffee, like making church more casual or what have you. But at the end of the day, I think he was bored. I, I think this is just like, what, bro? Like, I, I, like 
what do you go to church with like real people like i don't understand what's this is so weird now i i saw the top tweet was beth moore saying hey you'd be welcome at the anglican church we don't drink any coffee there you know at a high church that might be true but that was funny coming from her too. well but then other people responded to beth moore going i go to an anglican church and everybody has coffee i think oh, beth funny. moore's church just does it oh, uh, funny. i I would think that this was trolling by John Piper. Like mm. he was sitting around going, I want to do something, except that he's like 75. And that's not, I think he was being serious. Like he was like, he means this. It. This is like he, the guy preached in a suit every time he preaches, yeah. at least in his church. Like there's yeah. this. So let me ask you the kind of more serious question here. Okay. Like you said, okay. there's been a debate in the last couple months about Sunday, what you wear to church on Sunday, yeah. right? Like, does yeah. that matter? Right. Uh, now, that's what John Piper is getting at here with coffee. Where do we hold up the reverence and awe and the gravity of worship? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. By the way, oh, let me get back to the question before I do. Can we just, you know who I don't like on Twitter are like the people who like make serious replies to things like this. The people are like, <laughs> don't you know the early church was around a dinner table? <laughs> okay. I get it. You're the fun guy to be around. I uh, okay. But okay. What does it look like to hold up the value of awe, reverence, uh, the worship service? There's something worshipful going on. Yeah. Uh, this and that. Whereas you and I churches, we meet, you meet at a, at a rec center. I meet yeah. in a warehouse. Yeah. I preach in jeans. There's lots of people there in t-shirts. Like if somebody asks you, Aubrey, come to this conference and talk about reverence and awe in the present mm-hmm. day worship gathering. Yeah. How would you talk to them? What would you talk to them? About? Yeah. And again, I know you just said this, but to, to, to reiterate, like I am pretty firmly in a non-denominational low Me church too. tradition. Sure. <laughs> um, I would talk about it with Psalm 139, like search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. The point I'm trying to make is I would talk about this as a heart posture. I don't, Mm. I, you know, and we, we see this when the Lord picks David as King, that man looks at the outside, but the God looks at the heart. And I think any of these outside things, coffee, what you have on blah, 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 blah. That's all external. That's all legalism. That's all being a whitewashed tomb. If your heart is not in a posture of awe and reverence towards the Lord. And that's an act of the Holy Spirit in you. That's an act of saying, God, here I am. Search me and show me. I want to repent. I want to honor you. You are my king. And I, for some people, that the um, the ripple effect of that may be, I am on my knees in church, bawling, tearing my shirt like sackcloth because I'm so convicted by my sin. And some people would call that like irreverent, right? For other Mm. people, it might say, you know, I want to start taking Sundays a little more seriously. Therefore, I'm going to fast on Sundays or I'm going to, I'm going to wear my Sunday best because for me, I feel convicted about, but it can't, that it can't be the outside in it has to be the inside out otherwise i don't think it's christianity i think that's what jesus talked about all the time with the hypocrites uh when he called the pharisees hypocrites yeah yeah i think there's there i i totally agree with you i don't think coffee's the issue i don't think any of that kind of stuff is the issue where you know whether we've stained glass or we're like you're renting a a rec center yeah 
I do worry that we've lost reverence and awe in our worship. And I think it's a great conversation for churches to re-engage. Like what, one of my favorite quotes that somebody once wrote was, uh, Sunday worship is a Saturday decision. Like, well, how are you preparing yourself? Mm, mm. What does preparation look like? What is, uh, and then what's your posture within the, the service itself as you're going? But I, I'm with you. I don't think the question is coffee. I would love to have somebody ask John Piper, like, oh, were you being serious? Like, yeah, like this is sometimes with Piper and God bless him. I mean, he's been a major influence in a lot of our lives in the past, but sometimes I'm like, that's the hill you're going to die on, bro. Like, I feel like he does that a lot. He picks these things that I'm like, that's the hill you're going to die on. Yeah, like yeah. there's other things to talk about if reverence and awe are really your big concern, right. but I, I don't, that's maybe he's right. not a, maybe he's not a coffee drinker. Here's an ad. <laughs> don't here's ever an, speak against here's the an ad. Here's an addict saying, don't step on my idol. Maybe that's there it. You go. There you go. <laughs> we'll be back again tomorrow from 4 until 6 p.m. For Aubrey Sampson, my name is Brian Fromm. You've been listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. Salemnow.com. <laughs> 